What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Saturday, so time to take a look at my favorite underdog picks this week. After a slightly negative week one, we crushed it in week two, went 18 and seven overall. Many of you were stacking up that Colts and Texans game. That all hit the over, so many hit on the 10 and 21s. We also hit on both unders last week, which is something I probably need to pay a little bit more attention to. I'm 40 and 14 on unders dating back to last season. Part of that is because we only take like one or two a week, so we're taking really good ones. Of course, we're going to have a higher win rate, but a 74.1% win rate. I mean, maybe we should be doing more unders. With that being said, my number one confidence pick this week is an under Zach Wilson lower than 17 and a half completions. The Jets will be facing Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense this week, which is unlikely to go well for Zach Wilson. They squared off four times over the last two seasons. That's resulted in 11 interceptions by Zach Wilson in four games with a 50.9% completion rate. Now, he has hit this over in two of those four games, but it took 33 and 41 pass attempts in those two games for him to barely go over 17 and a half completions. And it's worth noting that the lead running backs in those games for the Jets were Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman in one of the games, and then Michael Carter, uh, James Robinson, and Ty Johnson in the other. So in other words, they didn't have great options on the ground. They obviously could not lean on those running backs and go super run heavy. The Jets do not want to throw the ball with Wilson under center. Whether they are playing the Patriots or literally any other team in the NFL, they want to run the ball and limit how much Zach Wilson is dropping back. So now having Brees Hall, having Dalvin Cook, neither one of them is what they will be or once were, right? Dalvin Cook is not what he once was. Brees Hall is not right now what he was before the injury, will be in probably like two months or so. So they're not like a 100%, right? But... They want to run it with those two, and those two are still better than the running backs they had before. Uh, we can also see this, and just looking at this season, being like, well, Wilson's only completed or attempted 21 and 27 pass attempts in those two games that they've played so far. Uh, he's completed less than 15 passes in both of them. One of them was a win. One of them was a blowout loss. We kind of have both game scripts covered there. I also expect the Patriots to force Zach Wilson to beat them deep, to say, okay, we don't think you can beat us deep, but why don't you try? We're going to stop the run. We're going to play man coverage. We're going to force you with very little help deep downfield. We're going to take away everything short, everything in the run game. Beat us deep. And if he starts doing that, which he probably won't, but if he starts doing that, cool. The thing for us is we're looking at the completions, right? Well, if he keeps winning deep, that's going to lead to drives where they don't have that many completions. And so it's totally fine if they're driving down the field in only a few plays. Uh, but what's more likely to happen is that he's going to have very low completion percentage. There's going to be a lot of stalled drives. There'll be a lot of turnovers. Patriots will play slow if they get up. So the most likely game script, at least, is that he is not completing a lot of passes. So definitely like the lower on that one. Second favorite of the week is Deshaun Watson, higher than 30 and a half pass attempts. Couldn't care less how many completions he has, yards he has, touchdowns he has, but he's going to throw the ball at least 31 times. The Browns going to home match up with the Titans this week. We've talked about the Titans plenty of times on this channel. They're the ultimate pass funnel. Phenomenal run defense, historically even, not just this season of two-game sample. They're just always a good run defense. They force teams to throw it. Also, last week, obviously, the Browns lose Nick Chubb. That's going to influence things. Uh, Cleveland also just wants to be kind of a pass-heavy team. And so if they want to be pass-heavy, 
They just lost their stud running back, and now they're playing one of the largest, if not the largest, pass funnels in the NFL, thinking they're probably going to throw the ball a decent amount. Uh, and if you really need some stats for this season, uh, they have the second lowest yards against or yards per attempt against on the ground, 2.7. So it's not going to be good for the Cleveland on the ground. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, and I don't really see this mattering for game script. Like even if it's, it's a close spread, so I don't think either team's going to get up or down by a lot. Um, but even if Cleveland were to, if they're going to fall behind, obviously he's hitting you know higher than this because he's going to throw it a ton. But even if they get up, they're not going to be able to run the ball and drain the clock like that. So they're still going to have to throw it. So I think it's kind of game script proof. Uh, also, we look at what's happened this season. Week one's a downpour, right? Pouring in that game, uh, the Bengals were terrible, and so the Browns were able to just kind of run the ball, not do too much there. They still hit 29 pass attempts, and then last week they go way over. So I'm thinking this hits like you know 65, 70 percent of the time makes it a great pick. Uh, and actually, I'd honestly just correlate this one. So I would do Derrick Henry also higher than 70 and a half rushing yards, and then Elijah Moore higher than 39 and a half total yards. We want the rushing one because the receiving one is like 37 and a half. It's only two yards for rushing. I think they need to give him one or two carries this week just because, you know, they obviously like they want to kind of change things up. They don't want to just do like straight run plays against such a good defense. Um, but then also losing Nick Chubb. They want to overload forward touches. I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to have a large role if he is active, kind of just join the team. I don't think they're really going to give uh, Pierre Strong very many touches. So it'll just be another way for them to like not drop back and throw the ball and just kind of mix in Elijah Moore runs. So I think that's, uh, you know, two really good ones to go over because it's like if Derrick Henry hits, even for like a few big plays, goes over and is rushing, that's going to force obviously the Cleveland side to be a little bit more aggressive passing the ball. Good correlation there. Um, nothing stands out about the matchup for Henry. This isn't like a smash spot on the ground, but he's Derrick Henry and the line is only 70 and a half. It's just like it's a very fair line. And if he hits his, it's more likely the Cleveland side hits. So just adding a little bit of correlation. Um, I also like Jonathan Mingo, higher than 36.5 receiving yards. Mingo has been the starter from week one. That's very, very nice to see that. Like stepping into week one, we see some very, very talented players not have a huge snap share in week one as a rookie wide receiver. But he played 87% of snaps in week one, 98% last week, commands five and eight targets. They're clearly trying to get him the ball, trying to get him involved. They had some design plays for him last week. Like they just, they want to get the ball into his hands. Number one, because they don't have anyone else, right? No one else in that offense has been very good. Um, and number two, develop him, right? They know they're not going to be amazing this season. Why would you not develop your early round pick? Um, problem is his 38.5% catch rate is unbelievably low. That's going to increase over time. Look at the matchup. Seattle's allowed the sixth highest completion rate against them this season, over 71%. I'm thinking he's going to be better this season, so matchup is good. Um, Dalton's the quarterback this week because we've got an injury to Bryce Young. I don't think that really hurts anything. If anything, it could help things. Um, I don't want to put too much of the blame on Bryce Young because no one's really been getting open, but... He hasn't been good, obviously. And Dalton's still like a quality backup quarterback. He can definitely run the offense. I think with him under center, I really wouldn't change that many things. But if anything, I would probably view it as a slight positive. Maybe there's a chance that Young was missing a few things, that Dalton will step in there and be just a little bit better because, to be honest, he couldn't be that much worse. Uh, last pick we'll go over before the 20 to 1 is Isaiah Pacheco, higher than 55 and a half rushing yards. Uh, the Bears have faced the third highest opponent rush play percentage, so their opponents are running the ball at a very, very high rate. Uh, Kansas City, 12 and a half point home favorites. 
just sets up really well for them to get up big, run the ball a lot. Pacheco has at least 10 carries in 10 career games. He's gone over 55 and a half rushing yards in nine of those 10 games. Given the matchup, given the projected game script, I'm thinking he hits double digit carries. I'm thinking he goes higher than 55 and a half. Also, I am not really worried about the hamstring injury if he's active. He's inactive, obviously, I worry about it. Um, but it's not a strain, it's a bruise. It's a different there. Um, a strain would be an actual like injury to the hamstring, right? The hamstring is injured. Um, that's like damage to it, basically. It's something that we can be concerned with being like, oh, you know, he could have a re-injury in the game. He could be less effective. It's a bruise. There's no actual damage to the hamstring. It's just a bruise. So as long as he's out there, he's going to be fine. It's more really just a pain thing for him, but it's not something where if he opens up, he's at a bigger risk of suffering a setback. So if he's out there, I assume he's good to go. I assume he's getting his normal workload, which has been growing over these first two weeks as he recovers from offseason surgery. He's their best running back. Again, it's such a dream matchup. I think he's going to go over 55 and a half. All right, 21 this week. So we hit last week. We got that Texans and Colts game. That was a pretty easy one to see coming. I don't know that this one is, well, it's an easy one to see coming in the fact that it's like such an amazing game environment, Chargers at Vikings. But obviously the lines were much lower for Colts and uh, Texans. So like when the game went off, it was much easier for people to hit. We can still have this game go off and not necessarily hit on all these pieces. But we look at these two teams, um, two obviously very good offenses, two offenses that really do like to throw the ball, um, two offenses also that like, you know, the ground game was really good in week one for the Chargers, but now they don't have Eckler, and so it's unlikely they look at this matchup and they're like, let's lean on the ground game. It's a good matchup on the ground, but like, it's unlikely they look at it and they're like, well, let's give Kelly 30 touches. Like, they don't want to do that, right? And then you look at the Vikings, they can't run the ball. So, I mean, they just trade for Cam Akers. That's how bad the situation is. Um, it was like the lowest possible compensation for him. But regardless, the ground game's not going to been good. They're going to throw the ball. Uh, so we look at that. We look at these two defenses. Um, they've been very mediocre. I thought the Chargers were going to be pretty decent this season. They've been terrible. Vikings obviously have not been good. And so with these defenses struggling with a close spread, I think right now, it used to be Chargers, I think, by one. Now it's Vikings by one. Regardless, it's effectively a pick em. A very, very close game. That means neither side should get up during the clock in the second half. Like, it's just a game that is probably going to shoot out, probably going to be back and forth, and that production will probably be through the air. So personally, I take the quarterbacks. I would take Jefferson because he's been absolutely incredible. I would take Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Most of the passing volume is flowing through those players. Um, Hawkinson, fine if you wanted to take him. I'm not going to list him because he's like the only player in this game. Negative matchup. If you wanted to take Addison, I'd be fine swapping out one of uh, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. So keeping, you know, Cousins, Jefferson, Herbert. I think that's important to have. And then your favorite between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, flip-flop that and throw an Addison. I think that's perfectly fine. I just like uh, Williams and Allen a little bit more. So those are the ones I'll be including. Uh, Cousins and Jefferson obviously been going off to start the season. Cousins attempting 44 passes in back-to-back -back weeks. We did talk this offseason about how they're probably going to lead the league in pass times per game. This is not a fluke, right? They're probably not going to finish with 44, but if they finished around like 40, 41 pass times per game, I would not be surprised at all. I would not be surprised if Vikings led the league. Again, their ground game is not that amazing. Their passing game is really, really good. Their defense is terrible. Like It just sets up beautifully for this passing attack. So it just basically just sets up really well for both sides. Could you see it fail? 
Certainly, right? This is still a good matchup for the Chargers ground game. So if Kelly gets going, some of the backup running backs get going, you know, they get up and the Vikings kind of struggle just for a little bit, we could see a game script that, you know, isn't as appealing for the passing attacks. But we're taking this because, you know, it's a 20 to 1, right? I think more than 5% of the time, this game does go back and forth. A lot of that production comes through the air. And if one side's really crushing in that area, it correlates really well for the other side to do that as well. So just to listen off, the 20 to 1 is going to be Cousins higher than 288 and a half passing yards, Jefferson higher than 101 and a half receiving yards, Herbert higher than 282 and a half passing yards, Keenan Allen higher than 72 and a half receiving yards, and then Mike Williams higher than 61 and a half receiving yards. So I've got 25 picks up on the site right now if you want to see more along with detailed projections as well for every single player. You can see those for free and get your initial deposit doubled for a limited time up to $500. All you have to do is sign up for your first underdog account today using promo code FFA, make a minimum $10 deposit. That is it. They will instantly double your first deposit. And so if you put in for a limited time, you put in 200 bucks, they'll turn it into 400 bucks. Uh, but that'll happen. And the following morning, you get login information emailed to you from me. That'll give you access to my site and all the underdog content for the rest of the season. So that'll do it for this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.